Good day to you fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. There was a uh, Texas farmer that uh, went to a went over to England, and uh, it was a it was a kind of a, a program where they got together and they they talked about and they were going to talk about the value of their farms and farming in general, and so the uh, Texas farmer, you know, everything's bigger in Texas. They talk about and. So he wanted to kind of brag up his farm, and so he introduced himself to one of these Englishmen, and he said, well, uh, how's your, how big's your farm? He says, yeah, I got a 20-acre farmette. It's, a, it's been a blessing. We got a real good operation going there. And uh, so he, he, he was baiting him because he wanted the guy from England to ask him, how big's your farm? And so the Texan said in his big old Texas drawing, well, when I wake up in the morning, I get in my pickup, start it up, and by the time the sun sets, I haven't even reached the other side of my property. Clears his throat. (laughs) And so the Englishman responds back to him, yeah, I once had a truck just like that. Rest of you will pick up on that in a minute. <laughs> that was a good play on words, wasn't it, there, Justin? <laughs> I want to talk to you about running to your gifts today. Running to your gifts. During my freshman year of high school, went out for the football team. Given my size, there were limitations on what I, positions I might play. At that time, I was just a little guy. I talked about that some, I think, last week. But uh, I probably didn't weigh 130 pounds. Yeah, I'm sure I didn't weigh 130 pounds going into high school. And um, a lot of the family members, other family members had played. My brother ahead of me, Paul, probably listening right now, he played and different ones that encourage me in playing. Football's big down south. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about football. I'm going to apologize for those of you listening online and those of you in the sanctuary that... Uh, is there, how many of you know nothing about football? And I'm not talking about something you, that you kick that is round. You know nothing about football, really. Okay, so I'll get you in. I'll make sure that you hear enough that you can at least follow the sentiments. I ordered, I I ended up in the cornerback position. Cornerback. So that means I'm back in the corner on defense, and I'm one of the guys that's supposed to protect uh, or prevent the other team from catching footballs when they're thrown. Uh, to a wide receiver or a receiver, and uh, that was my basic position. Three or four games into the season, so I'm going, I'm going past all of the practices and all of the time and, and, and this and that, and the, the coaches felt that I, that was the position for me, given my size, etc. And I'm three or four games in, and actually the coach, coach asked me to fill the safety position. All right, so you have cornerbacks and safeties, and they're the guys, they're the last opportunity to prevent a touchdown. The safety in particular, he's the guy, right? So you don't have to know anything about football to understand this. The safety is the guy that's your safety mechanism intended to prevent a touchdown. He's your last hope. So there I was, Safety plays in the middle, basically, and, and so they, they, they hike the football, and the guy turns, the quarterback turns, and he hands it to his um, running back. 
And so there's not someone, they're not going to throw the ball on this one. So the running back takes off, and I think he's coming right beside, right in the middle. I'll just put it to you, keep it simple for the rest of you. I think he's coming through the middle, and so I'm running straight at the middle of the line. But he darts out to the outside, and by the time I hit the line, he's already through the defense. So I'm looking at him like that, like he was Helen. I'm looking at him. I'm facing this way. He's that way, going that direction. Needless to say, he made a touchdown, and I was the one that was supposed to prevent that. So, yeah, after that play, you know, there's, you know, I didn't play the rest of that game. And I really didn't get a whole lot of play in the rest of the games. And the truth is, I wasn't well suited for the position. I, I, uh, I was, it was my freshman year. It was the first year I played football on that level. And other than that, I'd only played around in our neighborhood and stuff. And uh, I just wasn't well trained. And I, I, I should have been in the quarterback position. I knew how to throw a football, and I had a pretty good head on my shoulders. And, and while I, you can make up for speed being a cornerback by being smart, and the two just didn't work out for me in this case. I should have been in a quarterback position. I didn't run to my gift. Well, on the day that they said, what do you want to play? I let other guys step up and say they were interested in quarterback, but I sat there silent. I didn't run to my giftings. I didn't run to my abilities. I wasn't big, but I had a good arm, and I was fast enough to maneuver in the pocket as a quarterback, but I never said yes. Some of you are listening to me right now. Some of you are listening online as well. You're listening to all that I'm saying right here, and you may not know anything about football, and you don't have to know anything about football, but to understand this principle, I didn't run to my gifts. I didn't do what I knew I was capable of doing. And the coaches never had the opportunity to see my abilities in that area. And so consequently, I became, in my own eyes at least, a failure on the football field. That's what I became. And so you're listening to me right now and you're equating this, and I want you to equate this to you and your ministry life recognizing your giftings and running towards them. And there's no... I, listen, I didn't play after that first year because I wasn't going to sit on the sideline. Just not my thing. And even if I'd have been a second-string quarterback, at least I'd have been on the field and I know I would have been used on occasions when I really it was really necessary. You're listening to me right now and you're sitting on the sideline, you're watching the game and you haven't ever run to your gift. And there may be a hundred other reasons or excuses that you have, but the end result is the same. You're unfulfilled and you lack confidence, the same as I in my freshman year of high school football. There are a lot of things I did well and I turned out okay. So I'm not, I'm not lamenting my childhood or high school life. What I'm telling you is I missed the mark because I didn't pursue my giftings or area of giftings at that time. I have a word for all of you that are ready to step up and do more. Whether you're listening to me in the sanctuary or online, I have a word for you. If you're ready to move out of sitting on the sidelines watching everybody else do what God wants them to do, if you are sitting there right now dreaming of bigger and better, God has bigger and better for you. God has bigger and better for you. But you got to start by throwing some junk off, right? You know, I, I, uh, when, I, when I'm with my, my grandchildren... And they start running around, and you know, I'm 59 now, but uh, between the wallet, pocket knives, and keys hanging all over me, they start.
start running around and I'm chasing them. And on top of that, I'm in sandals and, and whatever. I have a tough time keeping up with my four-year-old granddaughter. I have weight on me. Keys banging around because I keep them on a clip. And so they're, you know, and, and just hanging on me. Cell phones, all of this stuff drags you down. I'm going to talk first about the stuff you've got to throw off before you can be propelled forward into all that God has for you. So we're in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews 12, verse 1. They'll have it for you on the slide presentation for those of you in the sanctuary. Here is what that reads. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Hear those words, life of faith. Crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. What is this writer referring to when he talks about this crowd of witnesses? He's actually talking about all of the people listed in chapter 11, which is often referred to as the hall of faith in the Bible. And, and we're not going to read all of chapter 11 in, in Hebrews, but there are great men and women who ran to their gifts. Hear me when I say this. They ran to their gifts. They identified their gifts and they ran after them. They identified in faith what they could accomplish and they're recognized in the hall of faith of chapter 11 of Hebrews. Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses... And these great women of God. Do you know that even Sarah is mentioned? Rahab is mentioned. Each of these somehow found a way to push aside the flow of the tide or society or their culture and take hold of their gifts by faith. I may not say anything any more important right now, today. Each of those mentioned figured out how to go against what the flow of society taught, what their culture was into. Many of those people that are listed in chapter 11. I'm going to read, though, just some verses from chapter, just two verses from chapter 11, because I want you to identify a couple of people in these two verses. Verse 31 of chapter 11 in Hebrews. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. How much more do I need to say? It'd be, it would take too long to recount the stories of, faith, of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. Now, I'm going to pause here for a moment because I want you to recognize a couple of names in these verses. Why do I want you to recognize a couple of names in these verses? Because there's some sketchy people in these verses. I mean, come on, verse 31, it starts out, the faith that Rahab, the prostitute. Sketchy, right? You all with me on that? Don't have to be a well-rooted believer to know that a prostitute's not typically someone that you would think God would call on. And yet, she fulfills a godly role in her life. She and her household is saved because of the decision she made in faith. She made a decision in faith, and now she's recognized in the hall of faith. But look at some other names there. Gideon. Come on, folks. Gideon, Gideon, if you don't know anything about the story of Gideon, you know, God asks him to do something, I mean literally, how many of you have ever been visited by an angel, don't raise your hand, because we'll think you're weird if you have, but 
you may well have. And, and yet Gideon is told, God wants to use you, Gideon. God's got a plan for you, Gideon. And he says, hold on, Lord. I think you've got the wrong guy. He does that. Not once. He does that several times, and yet God uses him in faith. I could go on there. I mean, come on, think for a moment. Samson? Samson, folks? I'm saying sketchy. You learned in in Sunday school all of the exploits of Samson. He was awesome, but then you actually read the Bible for yourself. And you understand that Samson ran with people he should have never been with. God told him, his parents told him, he ignored everybody, and it got him in a lot of trouble. So he may have went out with a bang, but he didn't have to go down the road. And why do I tell you all of this? Why do I point out some of these people? Simple. God is not looking for the perfect leader. Look at your neighbor right now and say, you're not perfect. You're not perfect. But tell him God can still use you. He's looking for one who will trust him as he leads. He's looking for people that will answer his voice. People that will answer his call. Will respond when he asks them to engage. You don't have to possess great strength in order to accomplish great things. You simply must connect by faith with the one who can do anything. Come on, come on, come on. My God can do anything. Say it with me. My God can do anything. Even with me. Tell your neighbor that. God can do anything with you. But before you can ever be really effective in ministry, there's some things you got to purge from your life. There's some stuff you got to take off. Get out of the way. I'm in 1 Peter chapter 2 now. We were here on Wednesday night, and this is the verse that actually stirred me for this message to go in the direction that I'm going. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners, say to your neighbor, you're a foreigner. You don't belong here. Say, listen, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. You are in a war, you are in a battle, and you don't have to think you are. If you know Jesus, you're in a battle. It's that simple. Keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. So short story on that verse. Your neighbors are looking at you. They expect you to operate and live differently. And even if they accuse you, look at what it says, they may well accuse you of doing wrong, you can reverse that on them by living honorably. So before you attempt to do great things for God, put aside the things that might trip you up. That's what the verses are saying. You're temporary residents. You're passing through this time. I know it's hard to wrap your mind around that because all of us, uh, you know, we're human. We live day to day and we, we think about our lives day to day and our daily functions day to day. So we want food. We want clothing. We want a nice home. We want a good running car. We want all of those things. But Peter's saying, listen, this is temporary. Get this spiritual part of your life right before you worry about all the other things. Don't let anything deter you from reaching your God-given destiny. Look at your neighbor right now and say, God's got a destiny for you. 
and it's good. Got a good plan for your life. That's the war that Peter's talking about. That's what he's asking you to engage in and get the mind of God, get the way of God, get the plan of God, rather than the rest of the world. The reason the writer of Hebrews uses these very people is to remind us that we can do even greater things than they because we know better. I'm going to see if they can follow me with that camera now. I'm going to go all the way over here in the dark spot. See if they, I'm not seeing it move. You guys aren't fast enough. Something's up. I'm going to have to stand here in front of it. You... You have to know that God has plans for you that are greater than where you are right now. You actually know better. What do I mean when I say that? Look at this verse with me. Jesus is actually speaking. And, and he says these words. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. I can do, I will do even greater works because I go to the Father. You will do greater works than Jesus. You can. You can. I know that blows your mind thinking about it, doesn't it? I haven't raised anybody from the dead yet. I'm working on that one. Still working on that one. But, but Jesus said it, and he even starts it with, I tell you the truth. So we know it's true. And what do I mean when I say you know better? Because of this scripture. Greater works shall you do than I have done, Jesus is saying. Because he adds something to it. How can you do something greater? Because I'm going to be with the Father. That's what Jesus says. Because I'm going to the Father, you can and will do greater works. And that's really not the end of it. There's something that's left off of that verse that you have to understand because you understand the scriptures themselves. And what he really meant when he said that was, because I go to the Father, I'm not leaving you helpless. I'm sending somebody just like me. The only thing that makes it better is he's going to be in all of you. <laughs> somebody say, I got it. I got it talking about the Holy Ghost. You have him. He's walking with you. You can do the works of Jesus right now in your life, in your workplace, in the place where you go to school. When you, you kids, how many of you kids remember what it was like to go to school? Y'all remember what it was like? Come on, your kids are not with me right now. Pay attention to me when your pastor's talking to you. How many of you kids that are in here right now remember what it was like to go to school? So let's talk about adding the good stuff. You, you, there's some stuff you got to get rid of, but there's some stuff you got to add on now. Right? If I was using the illustration with my, my grandchildren, yeah, I got to get rid of the, the, the knife and the phone and the keys and the, all of the heavy stuff. But, but if I don't get rid of the sandals also, I got to put on some good stuff. If I put on my sneakers, they ain't outrunning me. They won't outrun me. I can keep up with them. Bad knees and all. Look at this passage from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. There's another thing you put off, right? See what the scripture says? He's doing the same thing with this verse. Paul now, in this case, talking. He said, don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. So put that off, and now put on. Like I'm talking about putting on my sneakers, 
Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You get filled up with Holy Spirit, then you'll be able to handle all of the matters that come into your life. You'll be able to handle them. Filled up. Not just a little bit. Filled up, right? How many of you ate in the last few days and you filled up? You didn't just get enough or get a little. You got enough. You got filled up. I'm talking about hard to tie your shoes filled up. You need to get filled with the Holy Ghost on that level. I want to read another passage of Scripture for you. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm going to begin at verse 7, chapter 12. I want to begin at verse 7. The spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. I'm pausing for effect, but I want you to catch the word. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you are each. You're each. Each of us. Spiritual gift is given to each of us. That means you all qualify. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, this one Spirit gives the gift of healing. Well, I'll read on. <laughs> he gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So let me say something. It's not enough to just throw off the bad stuff to get rid of the garbage you got to put some stuff on. If it were possible for you to live a completely sinless life, that still doesn't mean you would accomplish great, miraculous things. Are you still with me? Did he say I could live a completely sinless life? You could. You could be the best Christian Christians have ever known. I mean, right up there. You could be the best the world has ever... You could be the sweetest Christian in the Lehigh Valley. I mean, you could be the Hershey chocolate world Christian. Those of you who are from this area know that Hershey is the sweetest place on earth. So they say. And it's not bad. I'll, I'll agree with that. It's, my point in saying all of this, you could be the sweetest Christian, the best Christian, living a wholesome life, and that doesn't mean you would ever do the miraculous. It's not, just, it's not enough to just put off the bad. You've got to put on some stuff. You've got to have something to give something. My daughter was talking about sowing seed. If, if, you're not, if you don't have some seed to sow, you're not going to reap a harvest. So you got to have something before you can give something. And, and what am I talking about having? I'm talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm connecting this message to last week's message when I, when I talked about you being filled up, having enough, more than enough, overflowing, if you will, relationally with God. You have to chase Holy Ghost infilling. Think of it this way. If you want to lose weight, you, can, you have to cut out wrong foods. You don't have to be a weight expert and don't have to, everybody's not going to look at you if you say amen to that. It, it's the truth, right? If you want to lose weight, you cut out wrong foods. 
And if you leave it there, you could lose some weight. But how many of you know you're just going to lose a minimal amount of weight? Because you not only should cut out wrong foods, you need to add right foods. Because otherwise, if you just cut out wrong foods, you're going to be hungry a lot and want to fill it with stuff you shouldn't be filling yourself with. And if you want to go to the next level, then you add exercise. A lot of exercise. Then you'll lose a lot of weight. Right? You still with me? Not enough to just put some stuff off. You've got to put some stuff on. If you get passionate about this and truly seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it'll happen. Your life will be changed. You'll become a dynamo for the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch out! I've got power because I'm filled. So how do you get all this? Spending time with God will result in exponential growth. God wants this for you. He just needs your availability. Listen to verse uh, Matthew 7, verse 11. Listen to this verse. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? And turn around and remember the words of Paul. Each of you have gifts. God knows how to give good gifts to his children. He doesn't deal, by the way, with the fake and the fraudulent. He knows if your intention is just to look good. I want to look good. I want to be out up in front of people. Everybody can't be the preacher or the song leader, the worshiper. Everybody can't do that. Everybody's not gifted that way. There's only so many positions to fill that are like that. But I think we, we said today, there's, I could use about 30 people right now in children's ministry. Right now. We're, by the way, I don't think that this was said in that announcement formerly. But we're, the, the September 6th is when we want to restart all of our children's ministry programs. Uh, we're doing it by faith. And we'll do the things we have to do to try to make it right and keep people safe. But we're ready. Are you ready to help? Are you ready to engage? Run towards your giftings. Get involved. Find a place to serve. And, and so everyone has something to give. Do I need to go back to uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7? Here's what it says. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. This will not occur, by the way, by, with a non-committal attitude. Paul speaks in his writings about running a race and being prepared for the race. I mean, it, it, if, if somebody's preparing for a race, they, they do stuff to prepare for the race, right? I mean, I practiced, all, I did the two-a-day practices in Florida. I, it was tough, man. I was doing my best. I was running. I was capable of doing those things, sweating it out, learning the plays, doing the best I could. But you, you prepare for that. If you're going to be good at it, you have to prepare for it. But he also speaks of putting on the whole armor of God. These are words from Paul about how to be successful in ministry life. Putting on the whole armor. Putting on. Are you hearing those words? Putting on. That means you intentionally put on armor. If a guy is, or a lady for that matter, is going into battle, they put on weaponry. They prepare themselves for wep with weaponry.
you got to prepare yourself for battle. If you're going to do something for God, you need to be prepared. And both of these insights from Paul are pushing us to activate something. So again, it's not enough to just put something on. You got to, you got to throw some junk off. And why is this important today? Because we don't have time to waste. I want to take you to some last day scriptures now. Uh, I'm going to help you guys out up there. 2 Timothy 3. If you're watching online, 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. I want you to hear these verses today. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. How many of you know we are in very difficult times? So if I just read that verse, it'd be one thing. But hang in there. There's more to come. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Now, if you've paid attention, just a little attention over the last five years in the United States alone, surely you know that this is happening right now. And I mean literally right now. Because we live in a world that cries out for love, but they want only the love that they deem correct. It's love without boundaries. There's no boundaries. No, they, that's the kind of love that, that the world is crying out for now. Don't tell me who I can love. It doesn't work because it's not based in morality. We live in a world that has completely lost its moral bearings. They've lost it. What do I mean when I say that? They hate what is good. Hating what in, is good right now is actually in vogue. In the last month, and then some of you, yeah, this is going to have, this has political overtones, but I want you to stay with, don't tune out after I go down this path. Don't tune out. But in the last month, there's been celebrations about destruction. Celebrating destruction. People have lost their lives and have been injured for nothing more than the sake of violence. Wanting their voices to be heard. It's wrong to burn someplace down that you don't own. It's wrong to destroy places that are not yours. It's thievery. It's wrong on every level, and I'm don't, I don't want excuses. This, the truth does not change because you're angry. The Scriptures tell us to be angry and sin not. You can't steal and it be okay. You can't destroy somebody else's property, and that's supposed to be okay. Now, that's what you're protesting may deserve or does deserve protesting. Be angry, but sin not. And this, the way it's got all twisted around is, listen to this, the, the, the very people that we count on to protect us are being told to stay away. Don't do your job. 
That's backwards, folks. I don't care, I don't care which side of the political spectrum you stand on, that's backwards. That's hating what is evil. I mean, it's hating what is good. It's loving what is evil. Sorry. That's why people were talking over there. Thank you for helping me out. It's loving what is evil and hating what is good. That's backwards. Verses 3 and 4 that I just read to you have come to life in the United States of America in, in the last several years, really. And then let's go on. Let's, let's include believers now. Not that there were no believers included in the last part. But listen to what he says. They will reject the power that could make them godly. They will reject the power that could make them godly. What does that mean? It means because of their choice, they are, they are rejecting what could make them good, godly. They're rejecting it. They are choosing what the culture says is okay. These are believers. He's talking to believers in that passage. This is directed at the religious, if you will. The power that could make them godly is not making them godly because of their choice. They may look the part in many ways, but will be rejected when before Jesus at the judgment. They'll be rejected. Let me read some more last day scriptures and tell you why this, remind you why this is so important for today. It's from Acts chapter 2, verse 17. I'm going to begin there. Peter wasn't the first word to say the words. He's actually repeating something that the prophet Joel did. Listen to these words. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I... Uh, before they advance the slide, I want you to focus for a moment and listen to what he's saying. He's saying, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all types of people. Doesn't matter if you're male, female. Doesn't matter if you're young or old. None of it matters. Doesn't matter your race, your culture, your background. I'm going to pour out my spirit on people. Why? Because it's necessary that people do the work of ministry. And so he sent his spirit, like when I was talking about God, you know better. The reason you know better is because Jesus went to the Father and he sent his spirit back so that we could do his work in his place. In every place. Now let's go on to verse 19. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. Anybody seen any of that? I have. Pay attention to the news right now. Blood, fire, and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. Now, many of you won't know this. It's just one of those things that I pay attention to. Those of us in these kinds of circles, but in the year 2017, there were four blood moons. Four. I don't know that that's ever happened in history. Four blood moons. Now, you may not know what that means. It's just basically a way of stating that the moon looks red. And it happens. It's, it, it, it is a uh, phenomenon that happens in space. And there's a reason behind it, but the point is not for you to focus on the how it happens. The point is that it happened. And that was 2017. Put that together with some of the other stuff that I just read, and you are looking at the last days. Now, I want to say it this way. We're in the last minutes of the last days. That's what's going on around us. And so we need to operate differently. 
And so I, I, I can go back to what we talked about on Wednesday night in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. And he says, you are temporary residents. You are passing through. You are foreigners in this land right now. That's you, right now. We are in those last moments of the last days. And God needs you to be activated in the gifts He's given you. Now. Now. Not in the weeks to come. You, you know what? You got family members. You need to talk to them about Jesus again now. Really? Maybe they'll turn you off again. Maybe you've tried before. Maybe you've lived such a poor Christian life before them that they're looking at you saying, what kind of example of you? I'm not going to listen to you. The truth is still the truth. We are in the last days and the last moments of the last days, and you need to help people to know Jesus. Find a way. You have neighbors you care about. They're going to die and go to hell. Are you going to wait anymore? Jesus could rapture. I could possibly not finish this sentence, and we are gone. You got neighbors that need Jesus. You got workmates that you love. You're friends with them. You need to consider now that you are a temporary resident just passing through. If they reject you, don't like you, don't know, don't care that you're saying the truth to them or not, it's your responsibility to tell them the truth because you could rescue them from an eternal hell. And what's going to make the difference in all of this? Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you'll have something to give. You'll have something to say. You'll have something that you can do. Come on, Pastor Mackay. Are you ready? Are you ready to step into the destiny God has for you? Are you tired of sitting on the sidelines warming a bench, spiritually speaking? I said all of that, and I can connect it to the fact that our brother Mario and his wife Vanessa are going to be out in the foyer right now, and they're not going to let you get around them without looking at them in the eyes. I said it in the first service, I'm going to say it in this service because, uh, you know, you all want to be treated equally, right? If you have children that utilize our ministries, you need to be involved in that ministry. If you have children that you put into our children's ministries and you've been here for a little while, been here for a minute as the young people say you need to help with that ministry you need to find a way get enough of you in here you could do it once a month once every two months if there's enough of you and yeah we'll qualify you we'll go through the circumstance not just anybody can be in there but my goodness if you can stand along the wall and look important you can keep a kid from falling over or punching another kid they do that in church. You can get engaged. But I'm just using that as an example. There are hundreds of jobs or tasks you could do for the kingdom of God right here. Have our pantry. Man, they could have really used more help last Monday. Could have used more help last Monday. So we need you to get engaged in ministry. The kingdom needs you. And I want to see you filled with the Holy Ghost so that when you engage in any ministry, you do so with not only the fortitude that will maintain you well, but you have something to give that blesses and lifts others. Would you stand to your feet with me? I've gone down a lot of lanes with this message. Some of you right now, just because you heard me talking about the end times, I've got you nervous and excited. You're nervous. Wait a minute. These are the last days? Yeah. Last minute of last days. And listen, I've been in the church a long time. 
I didn't even know, I didn't even think I was going to get, be able to get married. And then when I got married, I didn't even think I was going to get to have children because I thought Jesus would return, rapture the church. But I've paid attention to church. I've walked this out a few years now. Now, after 35 plus years of full-time ministry, I can tell you that I believe with everything within me, we are in the last minutes of the last days. We cannot waste any more time. The church has to be activated. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes with me. Even if you're listening online right now, unless you're driving a car listening to me, bow your head and close your eyes. You've heard that word and it, maybe it makes you a little bit nervous thinking, I don't know that I'm ready for the rapture of the church. I don't know that I'm ready or, or I'm sure that Jesus would take me. If you have any doubt, any question that, that Jesus might not take you with him, you want to change that right now, lift your hand. If you're listening online, send us a, t uh, a note online. Let us know, eh? hey, I got to make things right with the Lord today. Come on, lift your hand right here in the sanctuary. Thank you. Is there anybody else? There's a question mark. You're not sure. Maybe whether I make it or not, lift that hand right now. Let's make sure right now. If you're online listening to me right now, do it. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I know I've done wrong. And I want to make things right. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for coming out of that grave, giving me power over sin. From this moment, I'm yours. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant business with God, he heard you. Even if you're listening with me online, please connect with us. Find, you can do it right there. If you're watching on Facebook, Go, uh, or, or there are a dozen different ways that you can connect with us. It'll help me help you because I need to help you make second steps as you walk with the Lord. Now, there are several of you right now, you're readying yourself to leave in, in, in the sanctuary and call this day uh, done. But I'm not done with you yet. By the way, before you leave, put your mask on whenever you leave today. If you are here, do this for me. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You're here right now and you'd say, Preacher, I know there's more I need to do for the kingdom of God. And I need to be filled up with the Lord more and more to do it. Lift my hand, lift your hand to the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. If you need if you mean business with the Lord on that issue, I know it's, it's not really that late, not for me in these services, but are you willing to get out of your seat and come to the altar? I promise you I won't lay my hand on you. You mean business. You say, I want to get filled up. I need more. I know what I got is not enough. I know the way I've been operating. I've been operating on a, a reduced level. I need more. Come on, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, just start praying in the Spirit. Come on, you're coming up to this altar. Say, I need more, Lord. I, I, I know there's more for me. I know you got more for me, God. If you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost, say, fill me up more. Lord, fill them. Be filled. Just like that a passage in Ephesians said, Ephesians 5:18. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Get full up. I don't want a dab. I don't want a little. Oh, come on. He was juxtaposing being filled with the Holy Spirit to drunkenness, which means you have to drink a lot of alcohol to get drunk. So he's saying, 
filled to the point of drunkenness in the Holy Ghost. Get all you can get. Don't accept a little bit. I want all I can get. Spirit-filled believers out there, stretch your hands toward these folks at the altar. Say, God, fill them, fill them, fill them, fill them. Give them more, Lord. More. More. The Holy Ghost, pour on them, Lord Jesus. Pour on them, Lord Jesus. They're ready for more. They shut Fill them up, Lord. Give them more than they've ever had, more than they've ever experienced, God. Pour into their lives. Pour into their lives. They got people they love, people they care about. Need the, the power of the Holy Ghost working through them, Lord Jesus. Spreading their gifts. The fire of the Holy Ghost wherever they go. Fill them up, Lord. Fill them up. Fill them up. Fill them up, Lord Jesus. Fill them up. Fill them up, Lord. Give them more. Fill them up, Lord. Fill them up, Lord. Fill them up, Lord. Give them more, Lord. More than ever. More than ever. even be up here but you you are still praying the same prayer saying fill me up Lord fill me up Lord give me more Lord I need to do more for you I'm poised and ready I make myself available to you on a new level Lord use me use me in a greater measure Lord I want more 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 Lord more Lord more, Lord. More, Lord. Yeah, Lord, pour it out. Minister in their lives. Build them up. Fill them up. Strengthen them, Lord, at their core so they can do more, so they can give more. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we won't accept second best. I thank you, Lord, that the men and women, in particular the ones that have come to the altar right now, that, that they're not accepting sitting on the sidelines, being a bench warmer. They're ready to get in the game. And I know there are many that are not at the altar that still feel the same way. Some who are actually listening online. God, give them more and more. Fill them more to beyond the capacity of their humanity. God, give them that which only comes from you. The supernatural power. The Holy Ghost power to perform exploits for you and your kingdom right in their places of uh, where they work or their school or, or, or their neighborhood or where they recreate, Lord. Everywhere we go, God, more! Powerful name of Jesus, I pray, I believe, and stand with these men and women in the sanctuary and, of, and, and online, Lord. Wherever they are, God, fill them up. Give them more, more, more! God, we want to transform this valley for you. We want to be a part of the people and the ministry and the work that transforms this valley, that sees not just a few people come, but hundreds and thousands upon thousands coming to know you as their Lord and Savior. Before you rapture us out of here, Lord, anoint your people. Fill them up in the powerful name of Jesus. I remind you as you walk out 
Mario and Vanessa are going to be at the back. There's a great place to start where you could do some ministry. Sign your name up. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the lehigh valley but around the world we want to do our part in reaching the people that god has entrusted to us with the gospel of jesus christ you can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry god bless you have an amazing day remember you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.